Welcome to Leap Listens, the employer branding podcast. I'm Sarah and I'm joined by my co-host, Roger. Hello. Leap Listens is brought to you by Leap Create, a dynamic people communications agency. Michael Moonsing's business career includes over three decades in recruitment, mainly in executive search, and he's grown a successful research business, Glover Daniels International, based in Sri Lanka. His team supports a wide range of companies across most sectors worldwide with accurate, verified and thorough research-based data intelligence. Michael's view is that most companies' CRM systems, external succession plans and competitor analysis data is likely to be out of date, and in some cases by as much as 90%. In this episode, Michael provides advice and examples for companies seeking significant advantages through having accurate, verified and thorough data access. Welcome to the podcast, Michael Moonsing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great. Michael, you've had an exciting and varied career. Give us a summary. Initially, I started as a police officer, actually, when I first left school. Uh, so I did six years in the police force, um, which actually is quite useful in our current job. And I'll, I'll mention that later on, basically having an investigative mind and uh, a mind to try and find information and solve information is, is quite useful. So surprisingly, we actually use some of the uh, uh, logical thinking and lateral thought processes that they teach you as a police officer in research. Um, so initially a police officer, then I got fed up with that and followed my mother's advice and got a proper job. Um, as she used to say, every time I was a policeman, when are you going to get a proper job? And went into uh, sales, sales director, sold a whole variety of products uh, across all sorts of spectrums from kitchens and um, materials handling and everything, and then got into recruitment in the early days of 1989, before LinkedIn and before even the internet um, was really so prevalent in recruitment. Um, so yeah, started in 1989, so just coming up, uh, just yeah, 34 years in in recruitment now. And then in um, 99, I set up my own business, Clover Daniels, which focused very much on the search industry. It was a search business for the search industry. It was quite innovative that no one had ever done headhunting of headhunters, and then. In 2009, the global financial crisis struck. I set up a global research business based on the beautiful tropical island of Sri Lanka. I know someone's got to live in paradise, and uh, I decided to, to do it. So <laughs> that, that's where you, you're reaching me now. And hopefully the monsoon rains will keep off during this during this call. Oh, good. Well, we, we, we've had a bit of that ourselves here, actually. But I will. Also, I don't want to argue with your mum, but I would argue that a police officer is a proper job, just for the record. <laughs> yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, you never know. Who's... Yeah, but they, they, yeah. Never quite, uh, they never quite got it. And both my parents are from Sri Lanka. That's not why I'm here, actually. But um, they both originate from Sri Lanka. And it was very much an Asian mentality of, uh, yes, get a, get a proper job, you know, which uh, meant having a manager's title or something. So, uh, so there, there we go. So, yes, quite, a, quite a, a varied career to date. Absolutely. So, Michael, can you explain the concept of research-based proactive approach to senior and mid-level recruitment? And why it's essential in today's job market? Yeah, I think um, nowadays people have to be more proactive in the market. The problem with the internet and LinkedIn, it's, I think it's made people very lazy. They've just gone and got the best on the market as opposed to the best in the market. And um, particularly when you're hiring senior level people or mid-level people, you need to actually get someone who's really going to add some value to the business. And often they're being successful doing their job day in, day out. They're, they're not going at lunchtime 
onto the job boards and uh, firing off CVs or going home every night and uh, filling in applications. So having a research-based search model allows you to actually find the best in the market as opposed to the best on the market. And then finding out when when it's right for them. It's a bit like, I'm not a fisherman, but it's a bit like fishing, I guess. If you just drop the hook in and hope that the fish that you want is actually going to be in the right spot at the right time and it's going to take your bait, then you, you're probably going to have to get very lucky or wait a long time. So with a research-based model, is it allows you to find out by getting close to prospective candidates, when are they likely to move? And if so, what would they move for? It's not always money. Actually, I'm always nervous of candidates who say, well, if you offer me 10,000 more, I'll, I'll move. It's normally where they're missing something in their current role. They're missing that opportunity. They're missing the career progression or the international travel or, or responsibility or whatever it is. And once you know that, then it's easier to put that um, value mm. proposition that your company can have to them so that you'll get the right talent. So it, it is a case of making what I call knowledge-based decisions and not just you know harvesting CVs that are on the internet at that moment in time. Yeah, I, I love the line, um, best in the market, not on the market. I suspect that's one you've used before, Michael. <laughs> yes. Yes, the best in the market, not the best on the market. Um, Did I say it the wrong way around? <laughs> no, 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 you got it right. You got it right. <laughs> so um, how can data and analytics be harnessed to gain a competitive edge in recruitment? Well, I think the more you know about your competitors um, and their EVP, I think it, it makes it easy for you to sell your role to the right candidates. And your, your branding is important. But why? I think one of the questions that people should be asking, why would someone join our business? And if I'm going after someone proactively, searching for them and tapping them on the shoulder, say, hey, we've seen you doing great work and we'd love you to come and join our company as a sales director, for instance, why would they join you? What, what do you know about your competitors? And it's something that you know people should do, people should know about their competitors, but probably don't, if I'm honest. And, and certainly in my 34 years of recruitment experience, a lot of people know about a couple of competitors they might have met at conference or a seminar or they might have worked at that previous employer before or they might have interviewed one or two people that doesn't really give you the reason as to why would someone leave company a and join your company but the more you know about them say hey you know your products you're doing ours is actually doing better because 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 um you should come and join us because we can give you this this and this which i know your current company is not doing or they are doing which means you've got to present your opportunity in a different way or you're wasting your time presenting an opportunity to them because they've got the number one in the marketplace and they've got the, the dominant share. But that person's career path might be blocked. So that might be another reason why they would join you. So it's again, it's coming back to the same thing, making knowledge-based decisions. But the more people know about their competitors, that the easier it is to to present your opportunity to them. But it's always surprising how little how little people actually know about their competitors in the marketplace. Right. So... What are the common challenges, would you say, Michael, companies face when leveraging data for recruitment in even their sales teams, CRM, and how can these be overcome? Well, one of the problems is I think people just look at LinkedIn as, you know, the absolute be all and end all uh, to everything. And it is a very useful site. And I remember when LinkedIn joined, I was in the first one million members on LinkedIn, and it is a wonderful tool, but it is only one of the tools. And it's it's something that we're all supposed to keep our profiles up to date ourselves. But I know from when my research teams are looking at 
profiles, um, we expect what we call movement in about 30% of them, 25 to 35 out of 100 profiles will be materially inaccurate in quite significant ways. Either the person has been promoted from sales manager to sales director, therefore they're not interested in your opportunity. They've moved from Bath to Bristol or Birmingham. They're in the wrong geographic location. They've changed companies. They've changed countries, we find. And often people don't update LinkedIn so quickly particularly if they've changed jobs, because they want to see if it's going to work out. You know, let's get through the probationary period of three to six months before I tell everyone I've moved and and update my profile. So 30% of what people are generally taking as something that they're keeping update themselves, it's, it's inaccurate. And that's what people are making, making decisions on. And when you look at post-pandemic um, and the great resignation, where they think something like 50% of people change jobs, that people's CRM systems are probably up to 90% out of date that's very expensive for companies to to have very expensive staff using something that is massively out of date. So we're working with companies, not just on the recruitment side and, and HR, we're also working with the sales companies to say, look, let's get your, your data up to date. Let's go out. Let's verify these people. They probably, if they have moved, they've probably not gone off to be window cleaners and Uber drivers. Uh, nothing against Uber drivers or window cleaners or policemen. Um, they, they are still uh, out there in the industry somewhere. They're, they're doing a job. So let's find them. Let's see where they've moved to. Let's see what job they're doing for you. And, and where did the per- replacement come from? Um, how long, who is it and how long have they been in, in the role and where did they come from? So again, it's giving companies that, that knowledge to be able to make those decisions, which they'd probably love to do if they're honest, but don't have the time to do it. And that's often the, the reason clients will say to me, we just don't have the time to do that. We'll go to the agencies, we'll get the CVs and we'll make a decision from that. Mm. Well, when you look critical people, you need more. So how can businesses effectively gather and analyze data about their competitors, teams, strengths and weaknesses, and even their recruitment and business strategies? And I guess I'd add to that in, in an ethical way. Yeah. I mean, one of the things ethics is very high on, on my list. We don't do anything illegal or unethical to capture information. We're very much following GDPR guidelines, even though based in Sri Lanka, we're not technically covered by it, but we follow that and we won't hack anyone's computers to get information. Uh, There's an awful lot of information in the public domain if people actually know how to interrogate the internet correctly and investigate it. There's a lot of information on company websites and who spoke at a conference and speaker lists and, and getting that information. Winston Churchill, who's a fine soldier, said, know your enemy. And although we we may not refer to them as enemies in business, sometimes they are. And the more you know about your competition, the better. So it allows you to just really make decisions if you know a lot about them. I mean, if you look at a sales team, um, who's on their sales team? How long have they been there? What's the average tenure? Where are they hiring from? Uh, Where are they losing people to? That's quite important because maybe that's a company you never knew about and it's worth going and having a look and proactively uh, recruiting there. And often people often hire outside of their competitors. So if you're looking at allied industries in a a geographic area, have you got that knowledge? Have you got the information to allow you to decide, well, actually, that company, which I've never heard of, their product uh, range would actually have people that have got transferable skills into our business. So it gives you that competitive edge if you know if you know about a sector or your competitors or anything. But again, people don't, and they go into battle not knowing enough about their competitors, as, as probably they should do. Yeah, it's a really great point. So thinking about employer branding, what role does that play in attracting top talent and gaining a competitive advantage in recruitment? 
I think it's very useful, and, and people have an awful lot of tools at their disposal these days, not just Glassdoor um, and comments on people's websites, but there's, there's an awful lot of information there. We, we did a project for um, Deutsche Bank in Hong Kong when they were really struggling to hire um, top talent into their bank, and it's a great bank, and they um, were very successful in what they were doing, but they just couldn't get people to work for them. So we were asked to um, do a research project to identify uh, to, to approach lots of people in their competitors, and we, we drew up a questionnaire. And in that questionnaire, there were certain questions that they didn't want people to know it was Deutsche that had commissioned it. So we said, well, if you were going to move, who would you choose to go and work for and why? And who wouldn't you work for? And why would that be? And the reason was why people referred to Deutsche as, as a very Germanic business. They were um, set in their ways. There was a very set way of doing it, which actually in Asia, that's not the way at all in the anti-money laundering world. They're one of the leaders um, in their sector, but people weren't uh, going to them because of the perception of Deutsche Bank. So I think it's that employer branding is really important that they need to, you know, you need to be aware of what, what do people really think about you? Hmm. Yeah. Well, just as a, as a slight side question, and when did you first come aware of the, even the term or employer branding as a theme? I think it's always been there um, since the days when I was, was doing recruitment in 89, when I was in technical recruitment. Well, why should I join them? And there wasn't the access to the information as it is now. So it was down to the recruiter to tell the story and to make sure that people knew what the opportunity is. Why would I move from A to B? Now I think there's a lot more. And I think companies absolutely need to be aware of their employer branding and, and what people are, are saying about them. It, and a lot of it you can't actually change. I think a lot of it, the perception is there. And it's how you deal with it. What are, what are your current employees saying about you? And what's it like to work here? One of the first things I would say when I was seeing an HR director, okay, well, how long have you been here? And why did you join? And why do you stay? And often, they, they, quite a few times, they would struggle to tell you why, why they stay here. Well, the pay's good, and it's around the corner from my daughter's school. Not the best reason. You know, you need to know if you're selling your opportunity to someone and persuading them to, to come and join you, you probably should know why, you know, why people would join you. What, what is your employer brand? Yeah. I think it's, it's harder because, but the more you know about an individual, then you'll know why they might consider joining your company. You know, and it, and it isn't like I say, it's not always money. It might be they want that career path. They want the seat to the board. They want to work for the, the cutting edge product on the marketplace. They want to work for a company that treats their people right, that absolutely um, values mental health issues and employer relations. You know, that, that's often why people do that. And what we find when we're talking to candidates long before they go forward to meet a client, we're finding out, we call it hot buttons. We're finding out what their hot buttons are. Why would you move? I know I've called you. You're not on the market. You're not looking for a job. But if you were to consider, what would be your deciding factors to make that move? And once you know that, it makes it much easier to then find, well, actually, this isn't the right opportunity for you. Stay where you are. But now I know what you're looking for. And I know that you're waiting for the January bonus. And I know that you're waiting for promotion. If it doesn't come off, you're going to be open-minded next year to a career move. Don't do anything now. It's, it's wrong. It's like the fish. If you pull the line too quick, you'll lose the fish. I'll come back to you with something that I know is right for you when it's right for you as well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's excellent. And as a recruitment expert, what advice would you give businesses looking to implement an investigative approach to their recruitment strategy um, for better results and that competitive edge that you talked about earlier? Yeah, uh, I think, again, it's, it's knowing, knowing why someone's going to join you, knowing why, why they're going to move, and, and making that, that judgment. Ask yourself the question, why would I join this business? Because the more that they can understand what it is they're selling and it's not just well it's a sales director job paying two hundred thousand a year fine and this is the car so what they need to get 
below the surface and understand what is that proposition, what it is that they're, they're marketing to the recruitment workforce. Excellent. So, Michael, our final question, one we ask all of our guests is, what are your current top reads or listens? Yeah, I'm one of these people, I actually don't read a lot, I'm going to be honest. I, I read an awful, I get a lot of my news now from Twitter and from the internet, much more immediate. I used to read lots and lots of books about entrepreneurs. I was fascinated by, you know, what they what they call the uh, the lucky sperm club. You know, that why is that person more successful than that one? Those that are born into money, good luck to you. But why is that person more successful than the other? So I'm fascinated by entrepreneurial psych, and, and often it is a state of mind. You know, is the glass half full or half empty? I've been fascinated, though, listening to the podcasts which uh, Steve Bartlett does, Diary of a CEO, and some of those podcasts have been absolutely uh, moving and you get to really mm -hmm. in depth in an hour and a half discussion with someone and they really open up it's almost like uh, therapy i think <laughs> not only for that person but also for for people that are listening listening to it and, and i found that excellent to, to listen to but i did actually read a book the other day which was uh, quite a shock to my family because I, I generally don't have time i'm running all the time from a to b mm -hmm. but i did sit and read a book about uh, somebody who opened an orphanage here in sri lanka a swedish lady and that was fascinating Oh, you, Michael. Well, look, ours is a bite-sized podcast. It's not a therapy session. <laughs> um, so we have reached our time, but we'd just like to say thank you very much for joining us. Really, really interesting insights there, Michael. Yeah, thank you. That's really great. Thank you. It's been great being here. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. For more expert insights, check out our other bite-sized episodes, perfect for micro-learners and those with a short attention span, just like me. And if you're in employer branding and recruitment marketing, you might be interested in our monthly EB meetups. Just search EB Meetup on LinkedIn and join our community. For anything else, contact us via leapcreate.co.uk. See you next time.